What's going on? He's my first, the first Canadian on the unstoppable REI Wealth Show, Matthew, I'm going to kill his last name, Abalakin. The guy started off 20 years old. He has a pretty decent sized company. He's doing real estate, real estate investments, mortgages, and insurance. Really a good guy, lives up in Canada, has his shit together, really has a good process to bring people in to his funnel and create like a client for life. He's a sharp kid. Uh, he's going places, and I really enjoyed interviewing him on today's show. You guys are going to enjoy it as well. Enjoy. Welcome to Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My name is Billy Alvaro, a.k.a. the Unstoppable VA, former billion-dollar mortgage banker, gone bankrupt, turned professional real estate investor, where each week you'll learn the tools, strategies, systems, and secrets myself and other highly successful real estate investing entrepreneurs use to start, grow, and scale their businesses, creating massive profits and how you can too. And we'll teach you how to put those profits to work so you no longer have to. Get ready to finally experience financial freedom and generational wealth. Now let's get started. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back. Another episode, Unstoppable RA Wealth. I'm your host, Billy Alvaro here to bring it. This is a first for me. I'm going to be honest, everybody. This is the first time I'm interviewing a Canuck, a Canadian. <laughs> up north from us. How you doing, Matthew? I'm good, Billy. How you doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. So I'm interested in your story. I'm interested in what you're doing because you're a young guy. You're 30 years old. Came, your parents came here immigrants, so you're first-time Americans. No spoon fed, no silver spoon in your mouth. Like you guys had to go out, you and your brother, and make it on your own. But at 20 years old, you're 30 now, 10 years, you guys decided to get into this real estate business. And since then, we were talking offline. I read your bio real estate business, mortgage brokerage company, insurance company, investments, like full gamut. So yeah. just give me like five minute backstory, and then I'm going to have some questions like, how in the hell did you build this thing over 10 years? Yeah. So number one, just want to throw it back to you. So great job on, on doing this and educating your clients. We don't live in igloos up here. We, we don't, uh, you know, go ice fishing every day. Some of us are hustlers. Some of us are, are grinding and creating companies and empires, but thanks yeah. for having me. And so, yeah, my parents actually, they met in Canada. They both have similar stories of how they came here from the same place. We're originally from the Middle East in Iraq. And they met here at the local church, got married, had my brother and I, I'm the oldest. And they've been in different businesses all their lives. So like coffee shops, convenience stores, typically it's, it's the coffee shop or the convenience store that they had failed businesses time and time again, until they finally found this one convenience store that was owned by a Greek lady. And my father who lived in Greece for a few years of his life, knew how to speak the language and connected really well with her. The convenience shop was like 400 square feet, tiny, surrounded by a number of different apartment buildings, interestingly enough. And those uh, tenants that, that rented from in those apartment buildings always would support my parents, would shop at the store. So my parents were able to thrive and, and build a nice life for themselves. They, they had my brother and I, they have a home, they have a car. They, didn't, they weren't able to put us into school or anything like that in terms of university and, and pay for that. We had to do that all on our own. But back, back home in Iraq, it's, very, very, um, it's a very good thing if you went to university. And the education there used to be a lot better than the education here. You're very well respected if you had a degree. So from early on, my parents were like, you're going to go to university. You're going to go to university. Not something I wanted to do. I was always 
doing something related to sales. In high school, I had two lockers, used to fill up my lockers with different types of products that I had access to, Jansport backpacks, yeah, hair straighteners, um, espresso machine, whatever whatever I had. And Marijuana, school, cocaine, I mean, whatever it was, you're dealing it out. <laughs> thankfully, it was never drugs, but definitely all kinds of all kinds of stuff that I was I was selling, and and it helped. It it obviously helped me go through go through school and and have money and do all that stuff. Working two part time jobs, I decided to start waiting tables because that was the best thing I could do to earn tips and get a paycheck at the same time. But very quickly, when I was in university, I was I realized like. Shit, I can't, uh, you know, sur survive off this. Like, how am I doing two degrees? How am I paying for school? I, right. I can't catch a break and I have zero social life. So at the time, I was already dabbling in like high interest saving. I say high interest with quotations around it because 1% is nothing. But um, at the time, 1%, 2% was, was great for me. Um, I was putting all my savings into different kinds of um, banks like ING or, or PC Financial I don't know if you guys have those down there, yep. but yep. yeah. So we, they would offer the best interest. I was already dabbling in a little bit of mutual funds with the three, 4,000 bucks I had saved. And then I learned about how this one concept kind of was the light bulb moment for me while I was in university. I wasn't paying attention to my professor. And I remember which class it was specifically. It was a, it was a class on the history of Egypt. And I'm just thinking to myself, I can't survive off of this. So how do I grow you know, my money? How do I make my money work for me? And it was that time where I learned about real estate investing and making money while you sleep. That was the concept that was new to me, never heard of it. And I learned about, you know, having passive income and I learned about renting out your real estate. One problem, I don't have any real estate and I have no money to, to buy real estate. So as I started learning about different types of real estate, we learned about pre-construction real estate here in Ontario and Canada. And for those of you who don't know, pre-construction real estate in Ontario takes a long time. So you're buying off of floor plans, but it's not going to be built for four years, five years. Wow. And the good thing is you don't need a mortgage during that time. So, and, and the down payment is actually broken up into very easy payments. So I was able to get into something using part of my student loan. And specifically the extra money that they gave me because we came from a low income household and also some money that I had saved from the restaurants to buy that first condo that I bought, that I bought. And I still own it today. Fast forward. I bought it at 19 years old. Fast forward 11 years later, I still own that condo today. And right after that, I said, you know what? I'm going to get into real estate sales. Whatever I earn via commission, I'm going to put back into real estate investing and fast forward that now at the age of 30. Um, I did get licensed at 19 as well. A couple months later, I turned 20. And fast forward that 10 years later, we got a group of companies, completely independent brokerages in every single area of real estate finance, or I should say mortgages and life insurance. And we got a team of people here that are just dedicated to helping our clients. So I just taught my clients what I was doing. And that's where most of my clients come from, the investment side. I, I love it. I mean, you know, look, there's so much to take from that intro that you did, right? You have the entrepreneur bug in you from a young child. I mean, you're selling shit in school. You're making shit happen. You're getting part-time jobs. Everything, though, with sales are driving revenue. So I, yes. I find that I see a lot of young guys today that are not doing that. I don't, you know, it's just, it's a shame with these millennials. And I know you're, you know, the name of your company is Millennials Choice. But I wish you, you could be the role model for a lot of these other millennials that are out there. And I shouldn't say all, but there's just 
there's more so than not where they're just not doing the hustle. They're not doing whatever it takes to get ahead and make things happen. So kudos to you for that. Your mom yeah, and dad, you. I'm sure, had a big influence because they were entrepreneurial spirits growing up. So having that as a young kid, seeing that, what, watching mom and dad go through business success and business failure, so many learning opportunities there, right? Absolutely. Let's get, let's get in, Matt. I want to know, so you you have these, what is it, the three, four companies? You have your your real estate brokerage, your mortgage yep. brokerage, insurance, and your overall investment company. What's the, how many, how many employees overall do you and your brother, are you and your brother partners first? So my brother is my partner. I brought him into the business. He had a, he had a quick way to get into the business. It was very easy for him. He just came to me one day and said, Hey, can you earn an honest living doing this? And I said, I said, yeah, well, you know, that's the only way I do it. I I live by a moral code. I were brought up with Christian values and we do believe that, you know, what goes around comes around and all that good stuff. So I said, why don't you come see how it is? And if you like it, then then you could stick with it. If you don't like it, no hard feelings. Go do whatever you want. Good. And I just want to point out one thing, Billy, you mentioned earlier. Yeah, my parents had a huge influence on me, but it wasn't done on purpose because the last thing my parents want, even today, is for me to be an entrepreneur, believe it or not. They were forcing you to go to the university. So they wanted yeah. you to go away because they realized, I'm thinking, they struggled. They built, they sold, they lost. The life, uh, you know, the life of an entrepreneur is not easy, man, <laughs> at all. No, and, no, and and I, the point that I want to make is when they came here, they they were both teachers back home, and their credentials didn't get transferred over. So mm-hmm. they were entrepreneurs not by choice, but by necessity. And yeah. I think that's a problem with my generation, the generation after me. Um, a lot of people are on social media, and there's a lot of smoking mirrors, and everyone thinks it's the cool thing to do to be an entrepreneur. It's not the cool thing to do. It's it's difficult. It's way more difficult than being salaried and positioned somewhere else. Um, it's definitely more rewarding. It's definitely more rewarding, but it's not an easy path to take. And it's I, I truly believe that it isn't for everybody. However, my parents had the influence on me because we'd go to wholesalers where they would buy low, right? The concepts we're learning, buy low and sell high. And they would buy low in terms of chocolate bars and bread and eggs and milk and all these different things. And then they would sell it at the convenience store for a profit. So I remember even my Saturdays, we'd, we'd always help my my dad bring stuff into the store, the groceries and all that. And we'd go to the wholesalers with them. And some of our funniest stories, our best you know, childhood memories were at those retailers where we'd get a pack of Pokemon cards or something just because we were helping our parents. And then we'd go to Chuck E. Cheese's after or something like that. So, I mean... It's grown into now our company. We have eight people that are in uh, different positions and each one focuses on different things, whether it's the certified financial planner, the mortgage broker, the real estate broker, our administration, um, our sales and marketing. So there's different people that do different things, but I've been very cautious to grow it in terms of the number of people. It's what's more important for me is the quality of people. So we are high producers. We are high performers, but we have a good team and an efficient system that works best for not only our clients, but but also for us internally but again the goal hasn't changed we're playing a little bit bigger on the sales side but the goal hasn't changed i've looked at five properties today that i wanted to buy i put an offer on one yesterday in the last few weeks probably looked at 300 properties and that's that's always been the goal is to grow the portfolio yeah yeah that's smart man so tell me what is your marketing strategy because i'm i'm thinking if you have a mortgage, the brokerage company up front, the real estate, that's really your lead gen for the rest of your companies, right? That's a lead source. So that's what's right. your marketing strategy on the real estate side to drive in leads? What does that look like? Initially, it looked like 
texting everybody, making a, a list of 100 names, calling and texting everybody, hey, this is what I do now. Make sure my inner circle and everybody knows this is what I do now. This is my career. Now, the way we're starting to do a lot more marketing are, are things like this. And, and we could talk about that later. But this book that I put together with a couple of Americans, the Kevin Harrington from Shark Tank and Robert G. Allen, um, which just became a bestseller on Amazon. These are the kinds of marketing we're doing. We're giving these things away for free to people. Um, to 10% of my business does come from social media, specifically Instagram. So we do some ads online, but most of my business, 90% of it, I would say, is repeat and referral now that I have the clients. So yeah. I invest back into them. We do that a number of different ways. We'll do client appreciation events throughout the year, like barbecues in the summer, Christmas gala in, in December. And then throughout the year, we'll have educational seminars that we put together so that our clients can come together, learn, get motivated, inspired, and then you know hopefully buy some more real estate. So yeah, reinvesting into the clients and our personal branding is, is what I'm focused on. We did sign a commitment now with a very popular radio station uh, that's here in Ontario that's starting to air our ads October 1st. I've never done radio, but I, I specifically wanted to be on this channel because they have the perfect, you know, quote unquote, the perfect clientele that's listening to it that would that would want to work with us. So, yeah, I'm reinvesting in those areas, but I don't do any other marketing. You won't see us on a billboard. You won't see us on a bus ad. You won't see postcards from us. You won't see anything like that. You won't see us in the newspapers. So give, it has give, us very tailored. give us an idea of what kind of volume you guys do. And I don't know if you measure it by way of units annually, if it's dollar volume, because everybody measures it a little bit different. So how do you yeah. guys measure it? What kind of volume are you guys doing? So I measure it based on, I have a very, one of the top 15 accounting firms in North America that does all of our accounting. So from the property structuring to the business, they, it's, they all, they, they incorporate all of it. And we are, our top line is over 1.5 million kind of consistently in terms of gross sales and commissions. Got it. And then, and then we, because of our overhead expenses being so low and not having really a, a significant marketing budget, we, we are netting over a million bucks profit. That's good. So you're over 65%, yeah. 70% yeah. NOI. Yeah. That's and right. that's after paying out your agents? Yes, because we have a certain structure in here that doesn't exist in the industry. It, it doesn't exist because not one person can do all three different machines. They'll typically just focus on one of them. So mostly everybody in my brokerage has more than one license. And so the compensation, when you look at it from a percentage standpoint, is extremely low and not competitive. If you just look at it from the outside and say, oh, well, he compensates, he compensates his agents very, very little. If you look at it on the percentage side of things, but if you look at it as a whole, if you look at it in terms of what are they actually earning, I think you guys call it your... Uh, I don't know what you get at the end of the year from your employer or what you give to your employees, but we have something called a T4 or T4A. And when you look at that number and all my agents are earning over 150K a year, it's gravy. I'm, I'm happy with that. So so my when I say my gross number, that's my gross number. The only other expenses I have from that is my office and any kind of marketing. My agents are all independent contractors. Right. So you're already netting that fee out. So that one five is your portion after you pay out to your people. Yep. Exactly. We do it a little bit exactly. different. I get it. Yeah. I get it. And is so, that, so as long as does that sorry, include Matthew? Is that the rest of the companies as well? The holding company? 
top line? No, no, no. That has nothing to do with my properties. That's just millennials choice. So that's millennials choice, which is brokerage, mortgage exactly. and insurance. Exactly. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Okay, good, good. Perfect. And so the way you've structured it, in, it inside each one of your guys has multiple licenses. I heard you say that. So it's their choice. Uh, they, they can get multiple uh, licenses if they wish to do so. There's there are conflicts of interest that we've we've spoken to the regulator. We have it down packed in terms of what we need to provide to our clients. But yes, most of our agents have more than one license. Let me ask you this. Do you think because I find it when you have salespeople and they need to focus and wear different hats, all sales related, but every sales process is a little bit different. Selling a house, representing a buyer doing a mortgage, insurance, do you think that actually could be a detriment, that it could decrease their ability to sell by having all those licenses? Because they're focusing on that one thing, they're kind of spread out. 100%. So the rule within here is you want to get paid on the real estate side and on the mortgage side and on the life insurance side, get your license. However, pick which one you're going to focus on. And the machine of millennials choice will do the rest of it. So for example, my brother Danny primarily focuses on real estate. However, he has his mortgage broker license. So what we'll do is he'll do the real estate and then the client will require the, the mortgage. But then I pair that client up with one of our mortgage brokers in our mortgage division that we, we're all interconnected. We all know what everybody's working on and, and they'll do the mortgage. However, Danny will get paid on the mortgage without Got having it. to do anything. So I've created this system where um, it makes sense for, for them to do that, to, to pay the licensing fees, to go through that whole process. So with this whole enterprise you put together, you mentioned something earlier about educating your, your clients, right? Because I want to get a more deep understanding because I understand what you're doing, but I want the audience to really understand because there's a lot of intent with what you're doing to bring your people in and educate them to invest and then bring them into your net, invest, mortgage, insurance, whole nine yards. So Speak to the audience about what your strategy is with educating your your clients that are coming in on how you can teach them to do what you guys are doing, which is in essence invest in real estate. Yeah, so I did end up going to university. I went to university for five years. I graduated and I have my degrees in my office. And you know that's that's the most expensive thing I probably have in my office. Um, but I, I went to university for teachers college. So I did end up becoming a teacher. I, I could teach high school if I chose to. Uh, my undergrad was in law. Now that background in teaching has enabled me to bring different kinds of approaches and styles to sales. So we talk about selling, but really in the reality, nobody wants to be sold anything. And there's so much of that out there that, yeah, you, we, what we do is we educate the client. So we give everybody uh, all the information. Sometimes that's to your detriment. Someone will take that information and not work with you or, or go somewhere else. So be it. But for the most part, I always believe from day one, if you're the educator and you're the expert, because you're going to be seen as the expert now that you're educating people on this particular topic, people are going to want to work with you because naturally they're going to feel, you know what you're talking about, you know what you're doing, and they're going to be in the best hands if they work with you. So we do have this education-based approach to sales that we, we bring to the table. And one of the things that we're doing is using my teaching degree is we actually do go back into high schools and we don't charge the schools to do anything, but we, we have different kinds of courses that we've created that connect to the Ontario curriculum at the high school level. And we talk about different topics pertaining to financial literacy. And you should see how the kids are actually interacting with us. It's not boring. We have 
really cool icebreakers, really cool things we can do to get them to understand certain concepts relating to real estate and finance. But um, the future is in good hands, man. There a lot of smart kids out there, a lot of kids, they want to make something out of themselves and they want to do well. And then you got other kids that, that don't and they, they don't they don't care. They tune out the entire classroom. But one, one example we we use with them is, all right, pull out your phones. Everybody has a phone. So instead of like typical teachers will say, put away your phones. No, pull out your phones. Who's got an Apple? Who's got a Samsung? And they'll show us. And this is an icebreaker. And I say, all right, using those phones, phones you guys have, go on your Safari, go on your browser. Tell me what Apple stock costs. Tell me what Samsung uh, stock costs. And typically it'll cost less than the phone itself. And so we use these different kinds of uh, ways to, and examples to share with them that, you know, for the cost of the phone, you could have had a couple of shares of Apple and, and kids start getting engaged and hooked and saying, wow, I didn't know that. How does that work? Show them how to convert the currency and, and uh, of the stock price and into Canadian dollars and what that would cost them. So a lot of kids are really, really motivated to do that. So we chose to do that as an initiative, uh, as, as our part of our companies, as a way to give back to the communities. So, so you said earlier though, are you doing educational based marketing for your clients that are coming in? Cause that's for their kids where you're giving back. Are you doing yeah. anything for your clients to educate them on how to invest? Yes. So two things we do, we just came off of one this, uh, this past weekend in September where we did a multifamily real estate event. So we had one of our builder clients who builds multifamily apartment buildings was presenting to our clientele, um, about, you know, the whole municipal process dealing with the cities, the federal government to get funds and, and build these apartments. Then we had the guy who financed that same builder and, and finances many other builders talking about different programs, financing programs that exist to buy multifamily real estate. And then finally, we had an everyday person that, that just scaled a, pro for, a portfolio and does a lot of joint ventures, specifically in the area of multifamily real estate. So that was on the Saturday. Clients came to our office. We filled up the office and then we had those people presenting to them. That's one way we do uh, more educational events to our clients. And then the second thing we do is on my social media, I'm really big on Instagram in terms of reels and videos, just short videos, minute, 90 seconds, um, as well as we have our own podcast and YouTube channel that we we just create content uh, there that that's all educational content. So that's something that we're doing. We used to do a lot more in-person event events. COVID kind of shut that down. We were doing um, you know, one every two months. Now we're doing one every quarter and we, we have some social events that we do to give back to our clients. I love it. What is your, um, what are you teaching online with, uh, with Instagram? What kind of like info are you giving them? Is it all building wealth or is it across the board? It, it's a, it's mainly building wealth, but relating to real estate and in, in the real estate realm, it's kind of across the board in terms of, we talk about sometimes about land, about building a new construction, about multifamily, single family. But more recently, I kind of, I kind of smiled when you said that is, is just debunking all this fake news that's out there and yeah. everybody talking about how the, the sky is falling and the market is crashing. And then when you really look at the stats, um, I, I don't know exactly, you know, where your, what your market is, but in our market, we have such a low supply and such low inventory that even even month over month prices are going up. Even month over month demand is coming back because the Federal Reserve on your end has been raising rates. So has the Bank of Canada, our central bank, they've been raising rates as well. So people are feeling the effects of it, but it's only been six months since rates started going up. So yeah. there's always that transition period, people not knowing how much they can afford. We have something over here called the mortgage qualifying rate, which is basically 2% more 
than what you actually are going to get for your mortgage. That's the rate you're going to qualify at. So as the rates go up, that rate goes up and it becomes harder and harder for people to qualify. So we're in this little limbo mode, transition mode. However, the nice properties in the best locations are still selling very fast. And year over year, the market's still up in every single way, except supply. Supply is down and supply is going to continue to decrease because you can't you can't make it out of thin air. It's yeah. just whatever it is. And yeah, um, we're at half percent, 50 percent of where we were at the height, which I think was like in 08. It was like I can't remember the numbers, but we're at 50 percent capacity. But with rates going up as much as they've been, certain parts of the United States are feeling a real suppression right now. West Coast is getting knocked out. California, Arizona, their values have plummeted 10, 15, 20 percent in some cases. We haven't really seen that on the East Coast yet, but we're expecting that tsunami to start running across. But look, it just comes down to you need to buy right. You know, investing in real estate, you can make money with the markets going down, going up or staying flat. It's just a matter of how you buy, how you analyze, how you underwrite your deals. If you're doing it the right way, you're not going to you're minimizing your loss. There's always a chance you could lose, but you're really minimizing that loss, that loss factor. Yeah, there's always there's always a strategy. There's always a strategy to, to put in place. The other thing is we learn a lot from, from you guys on the American side. We love Grant Cardone. We love Robert Kiyosaki. We love um, uh, Robert G. Allen. We love listening to his stuff. Like we learn a lot of concepts from, from you guys. And the thing is, the, the one concept that is is pretty constant even here is migration patterns. And there's a lot of states that because of COVID, because of you know, all the division in, in politics and it's everything is so extreme on both sides. Yep. Like we, ha we have that here too now. And there's a lot of different people that, you know, left Ontario because most immigrants that come to Canada come to Ontario. And most immigrants, when they first get here, they're <coughs> renting. They're not buying a property. And sure. that's driving the prices of rent up. So rents across Canada are up pretty significantly. In Toronto, year over year, just in our apartments, our condos, like, our small condos, 500 square feet, one bedroom, are up 20% year over year, and they're renting for about 2,200 a month plus utilities. Yeah, so our rent, our market's completely different than yours. So we have this this immigration. Our borders have been closed for two years, and now we're getting Ukrainians, we're getting people from all over the place coming in because of different reasons. And guess what? We need them. We have job vacancies. Our our premier, which is like your governor for your state, um, has come out and just ask for our prime minister, like, hey, send us more immigrants. We've got the jobs. The vacancies right. are there. We don't have the people. That's also fueled by a lot of millennials and Gen Zs that kind of just, you know what, I'm going to work from home. I'm getting paid anyway. Um, these last two years, it was very comfortable. You guys had the stimulus. We had what's called CERB. We didn't qualify for any of that, nor did we want any of that to be in the system. We just went out there and hustled even harder and adapted. But now you got all these people that took their money and their stimulus checks and bought stocks and crypto with it. And they've lost half of their investment. Yeah. So it's going to be a, a transition period. I, I think things may get bad, especially in the job market and things like that, because if people can't find uh, people to work, then it's just going to continue to impact our supply chain and all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll see what happens. The good thing about real estate, I think you'd agree, Billy, is that it, it offers a certain utility that crypto and stocks doesn't, which is everybody needs a place to live. Everybody. Yeah, no doubt. One last question for you in regards to your social media. Do you guys track the amount of people that you're coming into your funnel buying properties that are coming off of social media? And if so, what's that percentage? We, we don't track it. Um, 
We don't track it at all. We just we just go based off of impressions. We want our impressions to to increase as much as possible because the the kind of um, every year we have a different not motto but a different goal to live by for that year. And the goal this year at the company was it was actually a, a rap rap lyric from Lil Wayne. It was I tried to pay attention, but attention paid me. So this year was like just that. about increasing the attention, and and we based it off of the number of impressions. So we do ask people, where did you hear about us? Where did you come from? But the thing is, we don't track it specifically from from Instagram. All we want is we want to be the name that people remember here. And yeah. if people remember us here, like we've gotten the attention of, of people in America. A lot of people think we're based out of America, based on our messaging and our style and all that stuff. And I think if you put us in America, we'd be we'd be maybe 10 times more successful just because of the population there. My audience on on YouTube is mostly American. My podcast is mostly Canadian. So it's it's very interesting First. how where the marketing is taking us. This is great, brother. Listen, Matthew, if people want to get more information about you online, how do they find you? So just connect with me on Instagram. I manage my own account. It's Matthew Ablican. And then we we want to give all of your listeners, if you're okay with it, Billy, um, a copy, a free copy of our latest book. It's called Achieve. And it was the one I kind of put on the screen. And if they want a copy of that, um, we can give you an ebook for free completely. And I could send you the link, Billy, and, and you could share it with your audience. Yeah. You know what? I'll put it in the show notes for sure. hundred percent. That would be fantastic. Appreciate you coming on, Matthew. This has been a great interview. I know we were supposed to meet, I think about a month and a half ago, but something happened. Our times got crossed, but I'm glad you actually came on. It was a good interview. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Keep creating the content. It's not easy. Yeah, no, not at all, brother. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My mission is to give you, my listeners, the blueprint for success, the insider secrets for starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing business so you can experience and live the unstoppable lifestyle. I've made it simple for you. To catapult yourself to success, go to billyssecrets.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-S secrets.com. There you will find every single tool, tip, trick, strategy, system, and secret used to make millions of dollars as a real estate investor. Everything my team uses and my guests use all in one place for you to tap into so you can start, grow, and scale your real estate investing business. I really hope you implement what you're learning. I hope you utilize these tools, tips, tricks, strategies, and secrets, and I hope to see you on the next episode. God bless. Bye-bye.